HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast, the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we welcome culinary entrepreneur, Barca Cardoz. In this episode, we'll talk to Barca about turning tragedy into a living legacy, creating signature spice blends, and we'll hear Barca's Julia moment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. The Julia Child Award was created to honor those who've made a profound and significant difference in the way America cooks, eats, and drinks. The foundation believes we should recognize the next Julia's in our midst, those following in her footsteps, making contributions to the culture and the professional food world through mentoring, education, and innovation, just as Julia did. In that light, in 2017, restaurateur Danny Meyer was the third recipient of the award in recognition of his work setting the bar for excellence in hospitality. At Union Square Hospitality Group, Danny innovated how restaurants could provide patrons with not only the best food, but the best experience. He did this by recruiting talented chefs and by providing the best possible working conditions for the front of house staff, including efforts to eliminate the practice of tipping to augment legally mandated low wages for servers. 
His restaurants have launched the careers of so many celebrated chefs and food industry professionals like Will Guidara, Chef Tom Colicchio, and pastry chef Claudia Fleming, many of whom we featured on our show. One chef we didn't get to meet is Floyd Cardoze. Head chef and partner with Danny Meyer in the groundbreaking New York City restaurant Tabla, Floyd was beloved for his sophisticated Indian cooking and his generous spirit. He died suddenly and tragically from COVID-19 in March of 2020 as the pandemic first took hold. Someone who shares Danny and Julia's reverence for chef's influence is Barca Cardoz, Floyd's wife. Barca is a culinary professional in her own right, having trained at the Institute of Hotel Management in Mumbai, where she first met Floyd. They later reconnected after moves to New York City. After a break from the food world to raise their sons, Barca joined Floyd to manage their Bombay Bread Bar in New York City, as well as to oversee fundraising events for the Young Scientist Foundation, which Floyd founded in 2011 with a $110,000 prize from his Top Chef Masters win. After Floyd's death, Barca became the managing member of Cardo's Legacy LLC, where she's working to extend Floyd's legacy through projects like his Spice Line with Burlap and Barrel. She joins us today to share how she's turning tragedy into a chef's living legacy. Welcome to the podcast, Barca. Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Let's start with Floyd. I, I was hoping you would just tell us about who he was in your own words and what you want people to know about him if they weren't familiar with him and remember about him, particularly as an individual, not not just the Tablo's head chef. Um, so if you ask me that question, I have three things that like pop up in my head about Floyd that I would like people to remember him with. Mm -hmm. to remember him as a cook, um, as a chef, and as a husband and father. Um, if you take the aspect of him being a cook, I first met Floyd in 1981 at cooking school. Um, he was this calm, quiet 21-year-old. And um, when we would do cooking together for practicals to learn, you know, at that point we were doing a lot of French food. He always used to say he had this vision that, you know, somebody should take Indian spices and flavors and add it to French food to enhance it. And we would all just stand around like rolling eyes and saying, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and he would, you know, he, he just, there was nothing about him that wasn't about food. Like you always, you know, you know, you go by the saying that you say you eat to live. Floyd lived to eat. It was like from the time he woke up till he went to bed, it was like, what's the next meal I'm going to cook? Or what's the next new thing I saw or learned? And he loved food so much that it made him curious to learn about other cultures and cuisines and how to cook those flavors. And he took that and he shared it with the world. Um, something that, you know, not a lot of us that do love to cook um, hold that space because for us it's okay. It's either means to get somewhere or it's, you know, like a small project that you do. But for him, it was like everything was about food. As a chef, Floyd, you know, he worked in a lot of kitchens. He worked in some amazing, amazing kitchens with some great chefs. 
And he'd always say that the one thing that he took away was that the chef, when he walked into the kitchen, was almost like this big king that walked into his space. And he had a lot of power and influence over those young chefs who came into the kitchen to Mm. learn and to gain experience from him. And he never took that lightly. For him, if you were sincere and you were dedicated, he always made it his business to mentor you, not just, you know, to give you better cooking skills or experiences, but more so to be a better human being, Um, human being with the people you worked with, because he said, you know, most of our waking hours we spend together in a kitchen, but Mm. he also pushed that envelope to outside the kitchen, to their homes, to their families of how to balance life with work and home and to to be a better human being for your family. Mm. And I think he practiced that as a husband and a father. He was just such a kind man. He was gentle. He was patient. He was an amazing listener um, to the point of me always saying I was the only one in the family that talked. And he's like, well, <laughs> someone's got to listen. So, <laughs> so he would do that. But always with our family first. Um, he never compromised on family. Never. He would always say uh, that his family was his weakness. It was his strength. And it was his being. Uh, by weakness, he said, like, that comes before, like, that's the one place that I will give up everything else um, because that means so much to me. And if I'm not mistaken, I rem- remember him mentioning that to Danny when he first interviewed with Danny. And he said, you know, Danny said, give me a weakness that you have or if you like, how do you feel about it? And he said, I thought for a bit and I said, my weakness is my family. And Danny said, how so? He says, because I, that comes first. Like if, if I have to give up anything, I'll give up everything. But that's like where, you know, what holds me. And Danny smiled at him and he said, you realize that's not your weakness. That's your strength, that your family comes first. Well, and a perfect answer for, to mesh with Danny's values of the kind of people that, yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, I think that stuck with him. He would always say that he's like, you know, Danny taught me that this, the thing that I thought was my weakness was actually my power and it was my family. Um, and he always, he always professed that he always lived with that. He was such a stubborn human being, Todd, such a stubborn (laughs) human being, you know, uh, chefs, chefs are very crazy that way sometimes. But the one thing he always did, he, always lived in the moment like there was not a day that would go by where he he grabbed it with all he had and he ran with it it was it was almost like he woke up every morning saying hey I put my feet down on the ground I'm alive and I'm just going to embrace this day and do everything I can with it for myself for my family for everyone around me and he did that till the end um it was just a blessing and he just cherished every minute of what he lived. 
So those are, that's what I want people to remember of him. No, that, that's lovely. And I, and I think, you know, messes with, I never got to meet Floyd, but everything I've, I've heard. And I'm struck by something you said that, you know, I think people forget that the word chef actually means boss. Um, yes. Jefe in Spanish. And I'm struck by one thing I learned in business school, and I would say learned, learned indirectly, is if you're striving to be CEO of a business, the one thing you're going to deal with, like 90% of your time is HR, human resources, people management, much yes. more so than like the books or forecasts or what you have people to do that. And that's very much what a good head chef is doing is you're managing the people in your kitchen as much as the menu or, or you're not doing that much line cooking, right? Right, right. And I feel like from what I've heard you say and from what I've heard people say and the way Danny runs his businesses, that was very much why Floyd was so successful. Always, always a people person, always. He, he lived from his heart. He lived from his soul. It was... It wasn't about accolades. It wasn't about who's watching me. You know, it was just, this is where I am and this is my being. And I will give it all to you if you just show me that you're, you're real and, and you want it, it's yours. You're my family. And he, he literally, till today, um, most, most, I would say almost Every human being that went through his kitchen or his restaurant still come back to say, I learned this from chef or, you know, he, he just made me a better human being or he was my family. And he literally was family to everybody that walked through his space. Well, and I feel like that's a really common characteristic of, of successful chefs is that their passion for food is also this passion to give and they can't do anything but, and it very much does come from the heart. And I think you see that reflected very much when you're in Jose Andres's presence. First of right. all, it's an amazing presence. And that's what he's doing. He has this like, it's like a compulsive need to to help and to do that through food. And food. obviously, right. And I feel like that's the characteristic that you're describing. Yeah. They love to feed. Yeah, yeah, but but the feeding is not about nourishment. It's about no, an expression. It's the soul, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's not. It's well beyond just nourishment. Um, and on that note, I wanted to ask you about tabla gets brought up, and it's been closed for now a decade, very often. So it was very influential in the restaurant industry, and and there's sort of positive lore about it. I, wa I wanted to hear from you. You know how and why you think its impact has endured so long. So when Tabla opened, um, the mindset and the experience that people had in the U.S. with Indian food was, um, it was greasy, it was rich, it was heavy. You didn't know what was being used in, mm. in the cooking as far as the protein or the vegetables. A, maybe because people weren't aware of what Indians ate or what, you know, what were our local vegetables growing up kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was this polarized effect of either you loved it or you hated it. Um, and I think Floyd was very aware of that. Um, he, he 
since he was in his 20s, had decided that, you know, he was going to do something that was different, but with these spices and flavors that he absolutely loved. So at Tabla, he offered an upscale level of Indian food with ingredients that were familiar to people, Mm. you know, with layers of flavors that were new and exciting. So, you know, you could do a foie gras with flavors with black pepper in it, or you could do, you know, duck confit in a samosa. He would, he would do these things where people that went in there were like, okay, I know what duck confit is. I don't know what a samosa is, but when you ate it, you were wowed. Mm. Um, it was just like, it's familiar and it's not scary. And he just changed the lens through which Indian food was seen and, and got people to embrace it and welcome it in a different way. Um, I think also he did something where he that was like the food aspect of it that he did. But then he also did so much more for the Indian community, for Indian chefs in his own way. Like he was forging ahead with his own journey, his personal journey of making a difference to showcase Indian food and spices. But when he did that, he made it more mainstream Mm. Um, and he opened the door for younger Indian chefs and food producers today that I think a lot of them do understand and realize that he, you know, kind of jarred that door open for everyone. But there's a lot of the younger ones that may not even be aware that somewhere down the road in the U.S., that was where it kind of, you know, was on a bigger platform. It's not like he was the one that started cooking Indian food. There were so many before him that were amazing. Um, but I think he brought in more mainstream. And it was a fun place. It was a place where you went because the people and Union Square Hospitality Group that does hospitality so well, um, it was this perfect combination and marriage of food that was exciting with hospitality that just upped the level of, of the food. Um, but I think most of all, if you look at it, from when you talk to people in the business, they talk about Tabla and their relationships that were made and forged from Tabla because Floyd was a family man. Floyd was a great mentor. And he was aware of his space in the food world with people and what he was doing. He was teaching his young cooks to say, don't be, you know, like, take your cuisines, take places that you've grown up with, take your home family recipes, embrace them, enjoy them and use them to enhance what you are about. Because if you know yourself, you'll be able to speak to others through your food. And I think a combination of all that is why Tabla still sits as, you know, with so much love and, and almost fond memories whenever it's brought up by anybody, whether you came in as a guest or you were part of the team. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's terrific. And, and I think that that all really resonates. 
So we wanted to, to switch to sort of how you got to where you are now and not, I mean, you can speak to it how, however much or however little you want, but in the wake of, of, of Floyd's death, how, how did you end up deciding to focus on extending his work and legacy rather than, I don't know, moving on? Um, Floyd and I were partners in life. Um, we met when, you know, in cooking school and then we happened to meet here and we, we were married for 28 years. So it just became something that he would laugh. Like every time we did something, it's like, I would say, what am I doing? And he's like, I, there's no I, it's us. And so that became our mantra to the point of like everything we did, we kind of did together. Um, We had this thing going with us that, you know, we both cooked and he loved to eat his Indian food when he came home at night after being at the restaurant the whole day. And I'd always say, why don't you eat then? He's like, can't do that. I need to eat your cooking at home. (laughs) So I would do week dinners. Weekday dinners was my responsibility for our family. And as life goes on and you find like you have 20 minutes and 30 minutes and you're cooking an Indian meal. So we started making these small batches of masalas and blends and he would, you know, we would keep them. So it was easier for me to do. Um, that as, as my boys grew up and they moved away, we decided that we were going to actually look to put those blends out. And we had started working with burlap and barrel early 2019 to get that going with stuff. And that was my responsibility to, you know, take care of the conversations and the logistics. And Floyd was like, I'll give you ideas. I'll, I'll help you with a bit of the formulation. And, but the rest is you, it's yours. Because I always say, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) And so this was what we decided was my growing up moment. Um, little did I realize that 2020 would come along and it was like, oh my God, he's not here. How am I doing this? Where am I going from here? And I knew that this was a dream of ours to have as many kitchen cabinets having a spice jar or a masala or something to do with flavor in there. And I just felt like I didn't know how to do me. I didn't know what to do with me. It was like that doesn't exist in my vocabulary or my being. And so I realized that there was still us. Um, It was just that the us was him not being the front person. He was going to have to like, I'm going to have to carry him forward. I'm going to have to take him forward. And so thankfully with, you know, Burlap and Barrel and the co-founders, amazing human beings, they were like, we can still do this if you want to do it. And so I just felt that that was an incomplete mission or, you know, uh, desire and, and, and a project that he and I had taken on together for all these years and just put it on the back burner till we had time. and. So I felt like this is the only way I can actually hold him close to myself and say, like, you're not gone. You're just not here. And I'm going to take you forward and I'm going to drive the car now. And that's what I did. 
Oh, that's like breathtaking. And I, I, I love what you said about the, the us and how to translate that. That's incredibly moving. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we're going to take a break so I can recover. And we'll be <laughs> back with more from culinary entrepreneur, Barker Cardoz. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions, master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back. We're talking to culinary entrepreneur Barker Cardoz about how she's keeping her late husband, the chef Floyd Cardoz's legacy alive through new ventures. So we were just talking about how, how you decided to carry on um, the spice line, which you had actually been kind of working on as a family for quite a while before Floyd's death. And so tell us more about the mission of the Cardo's Legacy LLC. Is it specific about the spice blend or is there kind of a bigger perspective that you're starting to take? Um, we are doing, we're doing the masalas uh, because that was something that Floyd wanted, always did. He didn't even want to, he always did it. He'd have cooking classes and he'd, you know, teach people how to use flavors and spices and everyday stuff. Um, he had this big vision of people learning to use it without fear, because that's something that I find a lot of people do when they cook is they only seek the path of, of familiarity and safety. They're always hesitant or a little afraid to try, you know, new, new flavors, new cuisines. And that was something that Floyd always told our boys is like you have to learn to try new flavors and he would say like try a bite of something new try something different if you don't like it that's okay but don't say no without trying it and so that was his big thing in life is I want to teach people that flavors are easy flavors are accessible they're adaptable so we at Cardo's Legacy carry that forward with, you know, through the blends to say you don't need to have 10 spices. You can use this mix and, and we're putting recipes out so that people know how to use it. Um, that's one of our, you know, aspects of the, of the LLC, the legacy. We also believe, I believe that, you know, where everybody works in their little bubbles. Uh, we don't tend to look beyond our bubble uh, either because we're afraid of 
what we see or what we feel we may lack or what someone has better or more than us. I don't see life like that. I always see it as the more hands you hold, the more you collaborate, we build strength around us. And that the past few years since COVID and watching, like especially like the Indian diaspora and watching young entrepreneurs and especially women doing what they're doing and the amazing stuff they're doing, I feel like sitting where I sit um, with maybe age, experience, um, just networking. I feel like I want to use this platform of the LLC to showcase them and shine a light on what they bring into all our lives because we're all better for it. Um, the biggest, biggest driving force for me with this legacy is, yes, I want to do new products. I want to do new things. But my goal is always paying it forward. Mm -hmm. Floyd and I always believed in that because we came as immigrants with, like, we would laugh. Like I'd always said, you know, I came with like $500 and he says he came with a hundred dollars and a suitcase. And, you know, we were blessed. We were, we were lucky. Yes, we worked hard, but people surrounded us. Uh, people gave us stuff, people helped us, whether it was with stuff or setting up a new home or whatever. And the only way we could thank them was paying it forward. Mm -hmm. And we've always done that. Um, he always used to say, as a chef, we all have this big platform. We may not have checkbooks to sign a check, but we have platforms where people are watching us and we need to to really pay attention to that and and use it to help others that probably don't have that voice or that space. And he would work with events, with charities, with people that, you know, meant or their organizations were important to his mindset. And so I'm continuing to do that at our foundation, at our LLC, where we, from every jar that we sell online, Todd, a dollar goes towards a charity that's near and dear to us. And in the past two, two and a half years, we've we've given more than forty thousand dollars to different different um, agencies and foundations that we feel will, you know, use that correctly to make this world a little better than it is right now. And. From your perspective, this almost seems like a rhetorical question, but is that kind of an intent that you would like that to be an, a, not just a momentary thing coming out of the pandemic, but something that Cardo's legacy does as long as it exists? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's like our our mindset and our mission that it's it's not about putting masalas out, there's a bigger picture out there, there's education, there is collaborations with, you know, you rise with everybody, you hold hands, you rise together and definitely paying it forward. Well, I love that you're on a mission to like enhance pe people's experience with flavors and with that, they're also helping others. So that that's, you know, feel good masalas, that what could be better? Absolutely. 
So let's switch to that because I always like to get in some food talk and we've been talking about quite serious things. I I wanted to hear kind of from you and whether it's Floyd's dishes or what you used to cook at home for the family with maybe you could say what some of the masala mixes are and and what you like to cook with them. Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Food (laughs) lights up my eyes. Um, So we have six blends right now. We started with three. We started with uh, a garam masala, a goan masala, and a Kashmiri masala. Very different flavor profiles. Um, Garam masala, most Americans are kind of aware of that spice blend. Um, Every home in India, every region in India has their own garam masala. It's basically a spice blend that you put together as a finishing uh, blend, as a finishing masala. The one that we have is a very simple one that Floyd would make for us at home, which has blends itself, lends itself to a little bit of sweetness. So it can be used for savory, it can be used for sweet dishes. Um, Goan, because Floyd is Goan, um, that's, you know, the cuisine that he grew up with and absolutely loved. And so I got inducted into that space when I got married to him because my mother-in-law, very kindly, amazing cook, um, she actually shared her family recipes with me. And so one of the recipes that were easy for me to make was with this goan masala that was put together with just simple stuff of like turmeric, black pepper, cumin, cinnamon, you know, just easy spices. And I would make curries with it for the boys um, to introduce them to Floyd's flavor profile of foods that he grew up with. So that's a masala that we use a lot. And Then we did the Kashmiri, which was, again, a little bit spicier with more fennel notes and, you know, red chilies and stuff like that, um, that is very versatile and can be used for almost any curry you want to make or you want to roast a piece of meat or you want to just toss vegetables in it. So it's, it's got heat and it's got a little sweetness from the fennel and it's got all these other flavors of cumin and ginger and stuff like that that just you know love people love to make the chicken tikka masala you can make it with that then Mm. we came on to a year later we launched three more blends we did a chaat masala we did a vindaloo because, you know, how can you be going and not have a vindaloo masala? And then we did a green tikka masala, which was um, homage to Floyd and his green tikka at Tabla. And those add to our, you know, six masalas that we use. And so you can do a lot of grilling. You can do a lot of curries, you can use them in marinades, you can use the chaat masala to finish. It's just fearlessly, you can use either one of them for whatever you want to do. Oh, my mouth is like water. <laughs> it, all, it all sounds so good. And I think I'm struck by it sort of takes me back to 
I, I'm not sure that people, because there's so many different subjects to cover when you think of India as a continent and what's going on and how many people there are and the things that happen. But when you visit India, particularly as a tourist, I feel like you spend all your time eating and you spend all your time thinking about your next meal and in a good way. And that you're also, you're having just sensory, not sensory overload, but sensory like opening because most people or certainly white people don't eat that much spice on a regular basis, but you're getting all of these experiences, which right. And masala just means mix or spice. I think people get, think it constitutes a certain dish when it, it really doesn't. Is that right? It, it's just a blend. A masala is basically a mix, a mixture. It's a blend. So any part of India you go to, every household will, if they're not physically mixing the spices together to put in a jar, they're actually spooning a spoon of something or the other into their into whatever they're cooking. And that's the masala they're using to cook that dish. So it's basically like a very loose terminology for just a mix of spices that you put together, depending on what your personal preferences are. And so I wanted to ask you, because I noticed at least one of your sons is a chef and, and do your sons use these spice blends in cooking or how have they sort of taken on? Because obviously they're an embodiment of, of Floyd's legacy. Um, it's so funny. The masala started because of them. Uh, because we would cook at home. And like I said, when they were younger and I was working full time and, you know, it was, I'd have like an 40 minutes or an hour before Floyd arrived home to say, oh gosh, I haven't put his meal together because I'm done with the kids and all their stuff. And so I would quickly like put things together. And sometimes I would take shortcuts and just use a box of pre-prepared masalas from the Indian grocery store that I would pick up and he would always pick up on it and say, you had a rough day. You didn't like, what is that? And I'm like, how do you know? And he's like, because I can taste that single tone in, in what you put together. And I would like, oh, I got caught. And <laughs> so we started blending like different kinds of spice blend and keeping so that it would help me facilitate me in my cooking during the week. The kids, when they went to college, started coming home and saying, hey, dad, can you put those together for us? Because, A, you know, we're cooking at home and we don't have kitchen space or we don't have the bandwidth to put it together. And so we started doing those little jars for them to take to college so that they could impress their friends or whoever. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And my boys still use them. They still use them when they cook. They both love to eat. So they love to cook because they're always trying different things. And these blends go in just as I do. They may not cook Indian food all the time, but like if like my son's making tacos and he's got chicken, he'll marinate the chicken with one of these blends, cook the chicken, shred it, and then tacos happen. Mm -hmm. Or there's like, breakfast, something's happening. And he's like, I just stir fried it into something and I used it. So they use them all the time. That's so neat. That, and really helpful. I think that's a great way of describing how you can adapt them in, in easy ways. Once you learn the flavor profile and what you like and like it with, you can use it in all these different fashions. Right. The best is I have a lot of people from the burlap and barrel, um, 
customer base that will talk about how they've used it with beans. They use it a lot with beans. And they'll change it up because at the end of the day, you're making a pot of beans and it's like, I want to change the flavor profile and they'll use different masalas depending on how they feel. Yeah, I was saying to you before the show that um, uh, my sister-in-law makes a, I think it's a lentil soup or a bean soup yeah. with garam masala and it just, Elevates it, just, it, right? Yeah, it just is, you, you're you just, you know, well, yeah, the bad thing is you were like, oh, off seconds, and it immediately, <laughs> immediately inspires you to consume more. But obviously, that's, it, it's also healthy. It's yeah. Yeah. It's so, the oomph that's missing is what I call it. Spice ex- It's the ex- oomph. Exactly. And, and yeah. who doesn't need more oomph in their life right now? True. So... I, you you start you kind of talked about this big picture with, with your thinking and the philosophy at Cardo's Legacy, but I was going to ask: are are there any new specific projects? Do you see yourself expanding the spice line in some way with Burlap and Barrel, or are you working on other new projects? Um, so right now we're in the process of I'm writing recipes for like a mini cookbook that we're going to put out, um, just to help people know, okay, you have these blends, what do you do with them? Because I have this question all the time. I want them, I have them, but I don't know how to use it beyond finding recipes online that say use garam masala and I'm using it. And so I'm hoping, and actually I'm not hoping, I'm working on putting down these recipes with my home cooked food, with things that I have learned over the years of just saying, okay, you're making a chicken tikka, use it this way. Or you want to make a cauliflower. This is how I use this, this blend. And so just to make it very simple and give people that tool that will just give them more confidence in saying, I can own this space with these blends and not be fearful of them. So that's, that's the immediate project that's going on right now with me. Um, it's going to be literally like, 30 plus recipes of easy ways to use them so that you're never lost if you don't know what to do. Um, The other thing that we're in the process of finalizing is a chai blend, a chai masala. Mm. Um, Tea is something that is so integral to an Indian home. Um, I love my chai. And, uh, you know, during the week, it's literally like just taking a tea bag and adding water and getting going because, you know, it's, you're in a rush. But on the weekends, that was our thing to do is and make a pot of tea and literally make it the Indian way of cooking it, you know, and steeping spices in it and stuff. So from that has come my, my desire to say, like, I want everyone to feel like they're sitting in my home, having a cup of tea with me. And so that's the next blend that we're working on. I do have other blends. I do have other ideas, but that's still far out. But these are the two immediate things that are coming up. And and are those both with Burlap and Barrel as well? Yes. Yes. Um, we've partnered and they're great partners to work with. And it's just I have the freedom and the space to bring what I bring to the table. And they make it just so easy because then they go out and execute it. So, yeah, I love I love where I'm sitting with them. Oh, that's great. Well, and uh, that looks exciting to look forward to. You'll have to let us know when they're when they're out and ready. I will. We're going to take a break and we'll be back to hear Barca's Julia moment. 
Let us know what you think of today's show. Send us an email or a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org. We'll be right back. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into um, our last segment, which we call the Julia Moment. Here's when we ask our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she might have inspired them in their career. Barco, what's your Julia moment? I met Julia Child in person at a Rhode Island food festival that Floyd was cooking four years ago. Um, I had seen her on TV and, you know, you're completely starstruck by this person that is so real, is amazingly like graceful and kind, but with this big life presence and personality. And I remember standing at this table with Floyd and she had come to visit and and be a part of the, the event. And I, I was just mesmerized, mesmerized by the fact that I was actually getting to see her in person, but realizing that she was just so, so real. She was just present. She was kind and very interested to know about what, you know, his cuisine was, what, what was being served and stuff like that. When I look back at that now, sitting where I'm sitting um, and much older now, I look at it as, especially for me, that someone that's, I almost want to say I'm coming into my own or I'm doing that growing up at a much later age in my life. I will always remember her from watching her on TV or watching her in person for that little time that I was around her that she had such a discipline and perseverance to be true to herself and for her love of food. She, she just did it because she felt she, you know, she needed to do it. She believed in it. She knew she had a story to tell and she had a path that she was walking on and a passion that she wanted to share with everybody. So when I falter and when I think about that, it's, it's like people like her that make me realize like, you know, the space above you, the sky above you is just yours and it doesn't belong to anybody else. And don't worry about what's on the sides, what's around you. If you're passionate and you're true to yourself, you can go ahead, no matter where you are in your life, you can go ahead and tell your story. And that's what I'm taking away from her. And I'm thankful that I, you know, was lucky enough to meet her. Oh, that's, that's really beautiful and also very inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing that and sharing uh, about Floyd and his legacy and, and what you're doing and how you're using the sky above. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today, Barca. Thank you so much for having me, Todd. Thank you. 
It's our pleasure. And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to hear more from Barca and Cardo's Legacy, it's at bcardos and at Cardo's Legacy on Instagram. And you can go to floydcardos.com for more about Floyd's life, legacy, and food. You can buy the Spice Collections on burlapandbarrel.com. Video clips from The French Chef are arriving weekly on at Julia Child on Facebook and please follow at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. I'm at T. Shulkin on Instagram. The 2023 Taste of Santa Barbara is coming up May 15th to 21st. Follow at SB Culinary Experience on Instagram for the latest news about events in and around Santa Barbara, including our upcoming special dinner at La Paloma Cafe on March 8th. Followers will get the first chance to book. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at GBH, thanks to my co-producer of the foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Armin Spengen. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorni. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.